Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Paul Samico about the importance of having a purpose-driven career. Samico, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, I'm excited to have a chat with you. Uh, you know, I, I have so many different interesting um, guests on the podcast from so such a wide variety of backgrounds. And you, again, you are another really unique guest. Uh, I haven't interviewed too many lawyers. And uh, with, your, with your background, uh, I think we'll have a really lively discussion today about what I'm going to frame as the importance of having a purpose-driven career and how that feeds into how we lead our people and our teams. Uh, as we get started, I wanted to share Paul's bio with everybody. Paul Samico is a 40-year veteran attorney, is a lifelong entrepreneur who has assisted hundreds of small business owners, um, helping them to grow their businesses and assuring that they were legally protected. He is the author of five books, including a sensational business book, Step by Step, Achieve Small Business Success, where he shares um, with all of you his unique plan to help your business grow. Um, so I, I want to recommend the book, and, and uh, it's a real pleasure to have the chance to talk with you today, Paul. Thanks for joining me. Again, I, I appreciate that you're including me in your tribe. Yeah, well, good. As we get started, before we really launch into the discussion, uh, is there anything you would like to share with listeners by way of your personal background, um, You know how you got to where you're at now? I, we'll discuss some of that as we go through our, our conversation, but any other context that you would like to provide at the... At the well, I, um, um, I knew early on I wanted to be an attorney, and you know the background story is certainly something, if you, you know, we have time, I can go into it, but... Uh, you know, from earliest time, I can remember, I, I knew I wanted to be attorney, an attorney because I just felt like the world was, you know, not being fair to, in particular, one group of people that we knew very well. And I didn't think that was right. And so I, uh, I, I engineered my entire school process to make sure I got into law school, and I did. And I got out of law school, and I did what lawyers call hang out a shingle. Um, I never worked for another attorney or a law firm. I started my own law practice, uh, passed the bar exam in Virginia, and uh, that was an invitation to me to begin being a lawyer. So, um, you know, I took on all measure of different cases, you know, someone come in and if they had any money, it's like, sure, I'll be your lawyer. Oh, I can do that. And, um, um, you know, I, I began to focus uh, after about four, five, six years on helping injury victims because I found that to be you know, the most rewarding personally, the most rewarding professionally, and I really could see that I was making an impact. And 
And then I uh, designed it to go into a minority community here in the DC area. Um, so I have a very large client base that are Hispanic. And I get even bigger satisfaction out of helping these people because most of them don't speak English. So, you know, if you speak English, you know, maybe you can fend for yourself, maybe not. But if you don't, even worse. So, um, you know, along with, um, you know, the law practice, I quickly came to understand that if you were the best of the best, and, you know, who cares if nobody knows that you're out there. So I had to, you know, I had to become a marketer. I had to be someone that was promoting myself. And, uh, you know, I learned how to do that. And I still don't know that I know all of it. You know, there's never an answer that this is the way to do it. You have to become someone that's willing to forget your ego and try this and it doesn't work. Okay, try that. So yeah. uh, I'm constantly reading and learning and listening to all the things I can do to, to try and continue to promote my law practice. And, and then I have a consulting business where I help, you know, small business people and I do the same thing for them. Yeah, that's great. And we, you know, we, I think we all need to learn to be lifelong learners and continually experiment with these sorts of things. So you just mentioned the marketing piece. I'm not a marketer either, but I find myself having to do the same thing. Uh, and it, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like self-promoting. Um, but you know, you have to let people know what you're doing and, and you have to, you know, find ways to, to leverage and share, you know, your thought leadership and, and other resources that you're, you know, trying to provide to people. So I wrestle with that too. And, and anyways, I think if, as long as we, you know, take a continual learning and experimentation approach, um, like you said, leave the ego at the door. You know, I, I recognize I'm good at some things. I'm not great at other things and I'm just going to do the best I can. Uh, I think that's the best we can hope for. And I, and I really love your focus on my, you know, helping minority population, underserved populations and focusing on what they need. Um, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm no lawyer. I don't know um, the law really. I, I, I do a lot of HR work. And so I do understand employment law quite well at least from, from the HR lens, but not from the lawyer lens. Um, but it, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's something that I am, I would be worried about. And I'm a middle-aged white guy that speaks English. And so if, if I had someone sue me or I had some sort of a, a court case that coming up, you know, where I, I had an accusation against me, you know, man, I would be super nervous and I have all sorts of privilege, you know? And so talk about people who who don't have those same privileges and and it's a it's a hard thing to navigate it is yeah it is i've gotten a great deal of satisfaction in uh working with you know that community and you know i work with what i'll call general population people you know people like me people like you uh, you know uh, but delving into that that area has been rewarding it really has because these are people who are immigrants that are coming into our country and, uh, you know, notwithstanding whatever political beliefs you may have in this day and age with, you know, all of that, you know, stuff going on, um, you know, they're here, they need help. And um, that to me is the basis of everything that I think we as a business community need to do. Um, you mentioned my book. I thank you for that. And, you know, if anybody uh, wants to get it, I'm sure you'll tell them how at the end, but, uh, the, the underlying core of my belief system from early, early on is that there are three different groups that you need to help if you go out into the world uh, as a business person. The first is your employees. 
The second is your client base. And the third is the community. And if you're not making contributions to all of those disparate groups, you're not doing it right. You got to start with the employees because that's your face to the world. You got to take care of those people. And then you focus on who it is that's actually knocking on your door or picking up the phone and calling and asking for your help. You got to focus on them. And then again, I mean, you know, no business person is an island. You have to reach back out into the community and help the community, you know, pro bono work, we call it as an attorney, you know, uh, put on events where people can learn and give them information. Uh, you know, I do a lot of that. It's just, it's rewarding and you don't do it because you think you're going to get business. You do it because you have a sincere desire to go out and help people. And then as the world spins around, you find out that because you did that, you end up, you know, are getting the rewards as well. They come back. What goes around comes around. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a tremendous why behind what you do, why, why and how you got into what you're doing and why you continue to persevere. And, and, and I think that's really important for employees and for leaders to have that why, to have that purpose, because that, that allows us to have a sustainability to our effort over time. Um, uh, particularly in, in certain careers, there's, there can be really high burnout and, I've never thought about high burnout in terms of law practice, um, but I suspect uh, lawyers serving the type of population that you predominantly serve, um, where you're not part of a firm, you're, you're, you're doing your own thing. Um, I suspect that's a harder thing to sustain um, and, and perhaps burnout could be higher for that kind of subset of, of lawyers. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I, I think, I think, having that why, having that purpose to sustain the effort over time is really vital. And so I'm glad you were able to find that. Um, what advice would you have for people listening? You know, there may be some lawyers listening, but most, most people listening are people managers of very, you know, various levels in uh, different organizations. You know, what would you say to them about the why behind their leadership? Because leadership is hard. It, you know, it, it's a heavy weight you're constantly bearing. It never really leaves. Um, you can have a vacation, you can have a weekend, um, but it's, it's still there and it's ever present in your mind. So, um, you know, I think having a, a, a bigger why and a bigger purpose is also important for leaders and then helping leaders, helping their people understand their why is also important. Any thoughts or advice on that? Well, thanks. That's a great question. Um, I'm an attorney of over 40 years and I've had probably close to 200 different employees during that time. And um, many of them um, that I've had, uh, you know, I've got four people who are with me almost from day one. Um, so there's a loyalty factor, but um, you know, being a leader is very difficult because you're, you're focusing on um, the work, but again, you have to have your mind's eye and exactly what I just talked about, you know, your employees, you know, if everybody that works for you, you're a leader, everybody that works for you mutinies and they walk out, you're sunk. So, you know, while your focus is on helping your clients or your customers, you've got to appreciate that the employees are the ones that are doing the heavy lifting. And the, the beginning of it, you know, for any, you know, size business with more than four or five or six employees is having an employee manual where you set out the rules and the procedures, and, and this is something I think is very, very important, but then 
once it's put into black and white and in the notebook or on the, the website where they can access it, then you have to not be a jerk. You have to be someone who understands that rules not necessarily are made to be broken, but rules are there as a guide. Rules are there to allow the leaders to understand the needs of uh, the employees. Um, I'm going to mention a, a prolific uh, sales leader and uh, uh, author. A guy's name is Dan S. Kennedy. And he's written more books than any 10 people that I know put together. Um, and all the books start with no BS. And we know what BS stands for. And then there's the title. So no BS guide to employee management. I mean, I'm making that title up, but there is a book he wrote about employees. And, and there's a page in that book. It's a double page, actually. On the left page is the employee's concerns, and there's 50 of them. And then you look at the right page, the employer's concerns, and there's only one, get more business. But when you look at the employee's concerns, it's, I got to be home by 5 o'clock because the babysitter's going to leave. What am I going to make for my mother-in-law when she comes to dinner this weekend? I mean, it's just, you know, the dog needs a bath. I got to take the dog to the groomer. You know, I got to help my kid prepare for the play. I mean, it's got nothing to do with work. And if you're a jerk as an employer and an employee calls up and says, I've got this situation, I'm going to be a couple hours late, you can say, okay, I'm docking you two hours. Or you can take the flip side of it and say, hey, I hope everything's going to be okay, no problem. You know, did you want to use up a couple hours of your sick leave or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a give and a take and an understanding about how to work with employees so that they enjoy coming to work. And now to get to your question, I know this has been lengthy. I'm a lawyer. I yap, yap, yap. Can I just say, I think, I think what you just shared is really, really important that we, as leaders, we need to be able to show some compassion and empathy towards Absolutely. our people, right? So it, it, sure. that's, a, that's a fundamental requirement of being a, a successful leader, oh, I believe. And if that's not is. there, then you're going to have disengaged people, they're going to leave, um, and you're just going to have all sorts of problems. So anyway, sorry, no. go ahead and continue. No, 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 you're, 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 you're spot on. Um, you ask me what the why is, what my why is, or, or you know, you acknowledge that you've, you've seen my why. And, and you know, and, and so again, I, I don't want to take up the rest of the show with explanation there, but, you know, a business can be, you know, just remote and just serves up, you know, whatever they're serving up, products or services. It's absolutely possible. You know, in today's world with COVID, it's even more remote than it was you know, before COVID, you know, enveloped the world. But having a purpose and sharing that purpose with your employees gives them something more than just this is a paycheck that I'm going to clock in and clock out. To have them embrace the purpose, which means explaining it to them, which means sharing it with them and showing with them how and why it's, it's a good purpose and making that part of their daily activity and concern. And, you know, the, the important part isn't just to tell them, you know, here's my purpose, here's my business reason. I mean, have a sit down and explain it at a business meeting where you buy lunch for everybody who is your employee 
and get them involved and get them excited and get them to to give examples of how that can be rolled out into the community and into the 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 work for the clients or the customers and and that again i mean that translates back to what i was saying you have to not be a jerk you can't assume you can just say this is my reason blah 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 and everybody gets it no sit down and explain it you're working with people you're working with individuals who have feelings and minds and opinions. And when you begin that dialogue, when you have that communication, when you're explaining things, lo and behold, you're going to learn. You're going to be better. These people that you hired, hopefully they're smart, bright people. And they have contributions to make. But if you don't let them make those contributions, then they feel like robots and it's just a paycheck and it's just clocking in and clocking out. My purpose in part has been the betterment of my employees. I want them to succeed. I had a guy that, I don't know, this was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, who knows, who cares? He came to me and he says, I got another job offer. And I said, what's that? And he says, well, I've been offered the job as security with the TSA you know, at the airports. I said, oh, wow, that's, that's great. He says, but I love you and I'd like to stay with you if you'll match the job offer. I kind of, okay, well, what's, what did they offer? And it was almost triple what I was paying him. So I stuck out my head and said, man, have a great life. You know, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud, you know, that, that you, you were able to springboard from here and, and that this got you into a better position. And I bumped into him seven, eight years later and uh, he was telling me all about his experiences and how they now had him translating in different languages because he was multilingual all over the world. I mean, so I was just so happy for the guy. You know, sure, I lost a good employee, but, you know, you have to, you have to be devoted to your guys. You have to be. You know, your staff is everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, that's a really excellent perspective. It's one that I share. I think uh, leaders who are driven primarily by power, prestige, money, you know, they're in their position because they're able to, to demonstrate their success to the world and, and they're able to lord over people. You know, there's lots of leaders like that, um, but I don't think those people really lead. Um, those people are in positions of leadership, formal positions, but they're not really leading people. Um, and, you know, coercion, exploitation, those are words that come to mind when I think of those, yeah. type, those types of leaders. Um, but real, true leaders are those that not only help the organization succeed, but they actually, they recognize, they understand that you do that by helping your people succeed. So if you folk, if you show compassion and empathy, if you help connect the business's why and your why with the employee's why, help to have a shared purpose and a, a shared sense of meaning in the work that's being done, that, that creates something um, that is far greater than just the mindset of people coming in, clocking in, clocking out, which usually means they're kind of doing the bare minimum to just get their paycheck and then move on. But rather, you know, in the type of situation we're just, we're describing, you get engaged, energized individuals that are going to put forth a lot of effort because they're driven by the purpose and because uh, they want to be successful personally, they want the team to be successful, they want the organization to be successful. And you go from compliance-based culture to commitment-based culture. So in, instead of people just saying, well, 
the policy says I have to do this. And so you have all these rules and you just kind of show up and you do the bare minimum to comply with the, the requirements. Now you're saying, I'm really committed to the purpose. I'm really committed to the organization. I'm going to do everything I can do to help everyone succeed. That's what we want. Uh, and unfortunately, that's a lot of times what we don't get in organizations because of the person in a formal leadership role who sets the tone for the team. And uh, if they're not careful, they set the wrong tone, which then ripples down and it causes lots of problems. You got it. You're, 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 you're just absolutely spot on. So what, what I know you talk a lot about listening and, and the importance of listening in leadership and connecting that purpose. Tell us a little bit more about that, why, why listening is so important and how you exercise that muscle. Yeah, that's, um, that's a critical skill. It doesn't just come naturally. And, um, you know, the, the thing about people when they are communicating telephone face to face, not so much you know, email, email is different communication, but listening requires a true effort. You know, people that are truly listening don't have an agenda. They're listening. The people with an agenda are hearing and they can't wait for the other person to stop talking so they can share what they want to share. You know, I mean, you know, and, and again, I go to a real base level and I don't mean to be disrespectful to women because I, have a, a house full of women. I have only daughters and a wife and a mother-in-law and mother and sisters. You know, I don't have any men in my family that I can connect with, but women want to be heard and men want to solve the problem. Now that's not always true for all, but more often than not, that's what you hear. And that's why um, relationships, I think sometimes suffer because the man isn't truly listening. He's hearing but he's not listening. And, and so you've heard the example, John, you know, we have two ears and one mouth. So that means we should certainly be listening twice as much as we're talking. And what I have found over the years, you know, and I've, I've, I've gotten better at it. I know I have, and I don't know that I'm hundred percent yet. I don't think I'm perfect in anything. I keep trying, I guess. But um, the, the point is that you, you want to just learn you want to make yourself better. You want to make the other person better. You want to make the other person happier. You want a, a more solid and respectful relationship. And this isn't just devoted and this isn't just in the workplace, but you know, you're the boss and you've got six people coming in one after the next, after the next boss, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll talk to you later. Now, that doesn't mean the boss has to drop everything he or she is doing and listen to every single thing that Fred or Sally is there with right now, but it certainly can be a mix of, hey, okay, listen, I think that's great, or let me think about that more, or I want to hear the rest of the information you have, uh, and, and you know, let's schedule a time to talk about that. And you, and you as the boss must then truly be someone whose walls are down, whose ears are open without an agenda to hear what it is that that person is trying to communicate to you. And, you know, as the boss, it might be, yeah, that you've heard it, been there, done that, and what they're saying, you don't need to hear the rest of it. But that's not respectful. There, there's a way to be respectful. When I get a client, a potential client that calls me up on the phone 
uh, in, say, an auto accident case, and they want to tell me every little detail, what the police said, what the other person said, you know, 10 ways from Sunday, how the accident happened, that they, you know, were in the car, they were, you know, and it's like, I don't need all that detail right now. And so I let them talk a little bit, and I say to them, you know what, I really want to hear every single thing that you have to say, but for right now, this conversation on the phone is just really one to determine if I can help you. So can I ask you a couple of real quick questions and you give me short answers? And clients never object to that. You know, it's like, okay, I've acknowledged them. Listening is about acknowledgement. I've acknowledged them. And now they understand that we can get out what we want to get out later when I go in to see the lawyer. Uh, but yeah, okay, I'll answer his questions. And nobody's ever objected to that. So I've accomplished two things. I've acknowledged them. I've given them permission to tell me uh, they're giving uh, hope that they're going to be able to explain later. Uh, and and I've, I've maximized my time. I've, I'm efficient with my time because I certainly couldn't be on the phone with everybody that potentially calls and wants me to hire, to be their lawyer, wants to hire me. I couldn't be on, on the phone with them you know, for 45 minutes. And believe me, they will talk for 45 minutes about, you know, every single thing that happened because they don't know what's important and they think that they're, they're helping by telling. So yeah, listening right up there among the most important skills that a leader can have and then segue to, to life. I mean, just, you know, that's an important skill for everybody unless you just decide you're going to go live on an island. And then you got to probably talk to all the animals so, you know. <laughs> or the volleyball or whatever, right? Or the volleyball. That's right. You know, yeah. Tom Hanks, right? Yep. yep. Well, well, Paul, it has been a real pleasure. The time has flown by and I would love to continue this. Um, perhaps I can have you back on and we can continue the discussion. Uh, but, what an for honor. Now, but for now, we'll have to come to a close before we part ways though. I wanted to give you a chance um, to just give the last word and share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your book, um, anything else that you would like to share in closing? Well, sure. I don't know. I guess this would be digital, so you could put these up on a screen for somebody when they actually go and listen. But uh, um, I do small business consulting, and my phone number is real easy. It's 3015 million. 3015 million. And if they want the book, they can go to my uh, business website and get the book. Um, or they can just go right to the landing page uh, for the book, and that's probably easier. The book is called Step-by-Step Step, Achieve Small Business Success. So if they go to stepbystepbook.biz, B-I-Z, stepbystepbook.biz, they'll get the book. Very easy. So uh, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure. And uh, you know, enjoyed talking to you about Utah, and I have been there at the at the many different parks. It was a phenomenal trip. So, yes, yeah. well, thank you, Paul. It's been a real pleasure. I hope listeners will reach out to Paul, find out more about what he can do for you, check out his book, and I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that we can all find meaning and purpose in work each and every day, and I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, 
leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.